Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello, Rush Nation, and welcome to the Five Yard Dynasty podcast. I have your host, as usual, Liam, or at the FSA tweets on Twitter. And as I said, as usual, there's nothing different about this podcast i'm joined by rich rich at dynasty island on twitter how are you doing i'm very good although i've just had my phone buzz to say that england are already one nil down in the football so um yeah let's <laughs> let's hope the evening goes better than that and you may have heard him laugh in the background there he is one of the five yard dynasty writers that we have um Emerson or at Dynasty underscore analyst on Twitter. Emerson, how are you doing, buddy? It's your podcast debut, I believe. Yeah, you know, I, I did a little mock draft with you guys. Uh, and I did a little, just a little couple, you know, 30 second little blurbs here and there. But this is my first full podcast. But I've been with you guys since February. So about time I dabbled my, into the pool a little bit. That was that was no mock draft, mate. That was the five yard dynasty oh, yeah, rookie draft, and you you had more than thirty seconds. You had like seven picks in the top twenty. 
I guess I'm misremembering. You're right. It was the dynasty draft, and I did have like every pick in the first and second round. So I did get a little. I, I got a chance to talk for sure. That was nice. That was fun. It's good. Good to have you. And I have to say, Emerson, since uh, since you joined us, I've been je- jealous of your uh, Twitter handle since uh, since the first time we spoke. But, uh, <laughs> it's, it's a very impressive one. I'm not quite sure how you managed to uh, to pull it off. You know, I'm shocked. I'm shocked it was still there, honestly. Um, but you know what? There is, you know, hopefully it doesn't come back from the dead. There is a dynasty analyst without the underscore. and But he hasn't tweeted in a couple of years. We'll, we'll see if he comes back. <laughs> what's, what's the rules on that? Uh, do, you, yeah. do, you get to, do you get to submit a, like an application for the Twitter oh, handle to Twitter to see if you can steal it back? Oh, if, if I ever hit it big, he's going to come after me for, for copyrights. <laughs> if I ever hit it big. Oh, man. <laughs> Anyway, for the um, episode this week, we have got Emerson to join us to talk about some dynasty preparation and startup strategy. So this episode is going to be more based around the preparation you do before going into a startup draft rather than the strategy behind that. But if we do have time, we will go into the strategy side. So Emerson, let's dive right in. And when you're heading into a dynasty startup, what just take us through what your process is. What do you get your rankings ready? Do you just go into it using whatever platforms, ADP? Take us through your step-by-step preparation guide, I suppose. Well, you know, it depends a little bit if it's a fast or if it's a slow, if it's a slow draft. If it's a slow draft, you know. I, I might not need a sheet, you know, I might, you know, I might use the ADP. You can scan through it. You can take your time. Um, but especially if it's a fast draft, it's definitely important. I'd like to get a sheet out in front of me, kind of get my own rankings out in front of me, put it, maybe put it in tiers. So you see, you know, which players are moving quicker, maybe which positions drying up the quickest, um, you know, and especially if you're not, you know, especially if you're brand new, I would definitely get plugged into the pot, you know, all the new, the new content being put out, all the latest summer news and everything, listen to some podcasts, um, definitely read some content, particularly from Five Yard Rush. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, so, but yeah, if it's a fast draft, I definitely want to be more organized because you're not going to have as much time to think though. So I, I definitely put a little more effort into getting some, at least some tiers in front of me and some rankings just so I could see mainly which positions are drying up quick if I need to draft somebody. I'm I'm intrigued that uh, I don't think I've ever done a fast dynasty startup. So how how fast are your your fast dynasty startups that you do? You know, I've I've only done a couple, but I've heard I see people doing them, so I I wanted to talk about it. But you know, it I I always is a personally I draft the best player available at least according to me, and I you know I might go, I might start off with twelve wide receivers, or if it's a court if it's super flex, maybe seven quarterbacks to start off with. But just depends on the draft. Man after my own heart. <laughs> so so you mentioned about fast and slow drafts but you never mentioned anything about auction and auction is my new fad at the moment i i started it last year and this year i've been trying to do as much auction as possible do you do auction drafts or are you strictly down to snake and linear style drafts I, i've done a couple and i will and you know it's definitely it definitely requires definitely a different it's, it's just like i would say the same thing for the, the what I was talking about the quick draft. You're definitely going to get some rankings in front of you, some tiers. Definitely have some. You know, I like to also go through and you know the ADPs for every website are a little flawed. I like to go through and maybe highlight some guys that uh, you know maybe that are ranked a little too low. You know, and just be ready to snag them early so I can get them on my team maybe at a good price. 
Um, but yeah, that's the same thing with an auction, you know, um, just getting really prepared for it. And, you know, and we could dive into different auction strategies and talk about that on a whole different show too. But so, yeah. So I'm, I'm not super, super experienced, but I'm trying you know, every single new uh, league I get into, I'm trying to make it an auction. Man after my own heart, Rich. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I I love auctions. I think it's, you know, it's, it's been fantastic since Sleeper have added it. I think it's, I describe, uh, I'm probably going to upset a few people here, but I describe a, a snake draft as checkers and uh, auction draft as chess. I think it's it's a far better way to do a startup. And I think it, you know, it requires an awful lot more preparation. I think it requires an awful lot more thought, but I think it's far superior once you're in it. Um, I have to say, I've, I've never known, except maybe Ali from the Dynasty Wildcard, I've never known anyone who doesn't like an auction. Um, I think it's far superior. Oh, yeah. You, need to. you get access to everybody, so that's nice. So, Rich, what, what do you do for your preparation? Because we've heard it from Emerson, and I know that you're Mr. Preparation over there. <laughs> We're doing an, a salary cap blind auction league at the moment, and I've never known someone so prepared for something that I think everyone in the league has very little experience about. Yeah, I, 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 I guess it's, you know old school scout in me perhaps although I, I don't think I did anything higher than beavers so maybe not quite that that much but yeah you know <laughs> was it fail to prepare prepare to fail or something like that so yeah I'm I'm obsessed with preparation um luckily I you know I update my rankings I've got my values of I'm pretty set there from that perspective but I do like to do a couple of other bits and pieces before we get get going in a startup so what I'll do is I will basically research every single person that I'm in the league with. Um, so I will find out what what they are on Sleeper. I'll find them if I don't already have them on Twitter. I'll find out what, what team they support. I'll scroll, th- scroll through their Twitter page to see if there's any players that they're particularly in love with or, or any players that they particularly hate. Um, I think it's really important when, the you know, if you're at one of the end... Um, either end of the draft you know if you if you're picking 101 the guy picking 102 if you know that it's coming up to a turn and he hates a player you can risk letting him fall and take him you know at a later pick or something like that because you know that he's not going to touch him um so i think that that's certainly something that i try to do i try to research every single person that i'm in a league with um but i think it's really important that you start kind of conversations with people you're in a league with before the startup because I think that it's, it sounds ridiculous but everybody likes to trade but people only trade with people that I find that there's already an open dialogue with I think it's difficult to approach somebody that you've never been in a league with that you've got no interaction with and basically say right here's a trade we're going to do so I try and open some dialogue with people um I think it sounds really bad, but you could also get quite a quick feel for the level of knowledge of people in a conversation quite quickly. Um, I think if you, you know, having a a chat and and realise that, you know, this is their first dynasty league um, or, you know, they're they're a bit clueless, then it sounds awful. But, you know, you, you can start to take advantage of them. Um, and you horrible person. Well, look, if it's if it's a cash league, this is deep. you know it's yeah. it's fair, it's it's a fair game if it's a cash yeah. league it's fair game you know people are entering in if if they're gonna 
step into a, a cash league without having a clue what's going on, then you know you're you're, you're there. You 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 need to know your stuff. So yeah, I tr- I try to know everybody that I'm in a draft with, um, and and also again, you know if they're they're reliant on certain analysts if they're you know you again you can get this from twitter feed really is it's, it's rubbish isn't it that we're all putting everything out in public but if if somebody is constantly commenting or retweeting a particular analyst that has rankings out in public chances are they're probably going to be drafting off their rankings something like that um i also find it quite interesting because there's been a few times where particularly recently I've been drafting with even my patrons or, you know, people that have got access to my rankings, um, which is, is quite fun because I can then sort of try to try to play them against my own rankings and stuff like that. So I think it's really important that you um, know who you're drafting with and get to know them as much as possible. Now this whole, whole thing makes sense. Sounds good to me. This whole thing makes sense. So a few months ago, Rich sent a tweet out saying, I don't understand people that have different sleeper usernames to their Twitter handles. Now I know why he wants everyone <laughs> to have the same. So we can go. It's a lot of work. Research. It's a lot of work trying to work out who people are on Twitter if they've got a different sleeper handle. It's it makes it's my life so stalker. much easier. I'm one of those guys. I have a different sleeper handle. I know, and it confused the hell out of me when we were first in our Dynasty League, yeah. Emerson. I was like, who the yeah. hell's this Johnny Cocktail? <laughs> That's funny. You know, I, I got the same thing. I joined another analyst league, and everyone was like, who is, who's Johnny Cocktail? <laughs> uh, so a couple of comments we've had while we were talking there. So hi, Stacy. Then Paul has got a comment for you, Rich. So you researched me and fell in love. Do you want to rebuttal that, Rich, or are you, are you going to admit your love to Paul over the? No, it's, that's, I can I can declare my love for Paul. I think his, you know, his fandom is shocking, um, but you know he 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 makes it very easy for me. Every draft I've ever been in with Paul, he's reached at some point for a Cardinals. So, you know, that's the perfect example of a guy that I know he loves Cardinals. So he's he's reaching on them. Right, let's stop slating some other Five Yard Dynasty writers, Rich, <laughs> and let's keep interviewing Emerson here. So, Emerson, you, you mentioned your rankings and you mentioned finding ADP uh, from other websites. Do you look at tiers or ranks specifically? I know you also mentioned tiers. So what's your process behind that? Because I know Rich has rankings and I have rankings, but I don't know about you, Rich. I believe you're on the same path as me that I prefer tiers. I just have rankings to really have a, a step between one or the other. But I tend to have guys in tiers where I'm not too bothered about which one I get around a certain pick. Are you in a similar boat to us there, Emerson? Uh, yeah, you know, I like I said, I tend, you know, tiers are kind of for if you're trying to, you know, make sure that you kind of get a, a certain position, you know, before it dries up and things like that. You know, if, if the running, if you see the big drop off in running backs, you know, you might snag and reach a little running back early. I, I, I'm a really active trader, so I don't tend to, re- I, like I said, I draft the best player available. So I, I like to give advice to everybody. Not everybody's is, you know, not everybody's a trade machine. Not everybody's sending out offers every week in dynasty leagues. So, you know, if you're, if you're not extremely active, you might, you know, definitely want to maybe use tiers more because you know, this, you know, what you draft now is pretty much maybe going to be your team when in September, me, you know, I'm fine starting off with eight wide receivers. 
and then you know and then diversifying after that so it just depends you know i guess know who you are you know if, if you're not an active trader you know you might want to plan more accordingly for your lineups and stuff but that's where i find position like tiers a little bit more important rich you were nodding all the way through me talking about tiers so uh, you you use tiers by the the looks of it but how do you use those tiers to your advantage so for me i, th I think i'm i i kind of take it perhaps one step further in that where I've got my trade value chart and I assign every player a value and that allows me to see perhaps the tiers a little bit more clearly because whilst, you know, yes, tier tier three and tier four are different, I think by giving each player a value, it allows me to determine how big a drop there is at certain positions, at certain players, you know, so that it's almost quantifying what the value drop is at certain positions. And that allows me to to move around the draft board, particularly in Dynasty Startup, where I can trade up, trade down, and and kind of make those moves to where I see the value. Um obviously that's you know not not exactly a an easy process to go through and assign every player a value. Um I appreciate that's quite a detailed process, but you can I certainly think that if it's difficult to just draft off rankings because as soon as players start getting pulled out, you know, if you're deleting players as they go, the difference between player one and player two could be absolutely massive. But on the piece of paper you're looking at or on the, you know, the the sleeper queue list or whatever, it's the difference is one player. So I think that, yeah, if it, everybody has a different way of, of tiering players and creating a, a, a tiered system. Um, but I think that's in, that's important. Um, off the back of kind of rankings and tiers, Emerson. So I think we we talked a little bit about this kind of offline, and it's something that I've been toying with over the past year or so. Um, and it's something that I find myself doing more and more in kind of redraft rather than dynasty startups. But have you ever toyed with the idea of a a vertical draft board and a horizontal draft board and, and what you're drafting off. And what I mean by that is a vertical draft board is basically all your players, you know, call it a top 200 or something like that. So that's players one to 200, regardless of position ranked. Whereas a horizontal draft board is basically position rankings. I, you know, I guess I, you know, I tend, you know, in that sense, like I said, I tend to use a more vertical draft board because I tend to draft the best player available. Um, so, you know, I, 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 you know, and that that's according to my own rankings and each person, you know, as you're going into a draft, you know, you're, you're looking at podcasts, you need to develop your own kind of rankings, you know, based on who you, who you trust and you're, and you know, who you like. Um, but like I said, so I definitely probably use a more vertical approach and I'm fine, you know, whoever I, whoever I personally identify as the best player, I'll take that player. Um, so I, I tend to lean probably more vertical approach. I would say. Yeah, I think. Again, this this comes back to the value piece in that I allow I could I utilize the horizontal board more, and I cer certainly in redraft because I think, you know, we're we're slightly more positional driven in in redraft rather than leaning towards that best player available. But I think, for me, I like the horizontal board with my values because it allows me to see I can almost create a vertical board from the horizontal board quite quickly as I'm looking at it, um, but it allows me to see where the value drop-offs are significantly at positions. And whilst I'm, I completely agree with Emerson, I'm, I'm always best player available and I'll always take the best value. You know, it, I think that 
the best value in a draft is sometimes slightly different to what the best value is in a vacuum. And I think that, you know, every draft is a unique situation. And that if you are in a draft and you're looking at it going, nobody is valuing these whatever position, let's say running backs at all. They're just falling down the draft board. You know, I'm going to end up drafting eight running backs to start my draft. This is ridiculous value. But the 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 truth is, is that, yes, that is ridiculous value in a vacuum. But every, the other, say, 11 people in your league haven't valued those players and those positions in the startup. So chances are they're probably not going to value them after the startup. So whilst you're sitting there thinking, this is incredible value, I've got all these guys, they've fallen in that draft for a reason because nobody else in the league values them. And I think that that has helped me to identify where there's kind of the unique twists in draft value per startup rather than just right, this is this is the list of players and I'm just going to take the player from the top of that board every single time I'm on the clock as such. What about you, Liam? Are you are you a vertical drafter? Are you a horizontal drafter? Or? I, I feel like I'm a little bit in between and I know you, when I first came on the pod, you were on me all the time about being on the fence. And I promise <laughs> you that this isn't me being on the fence. But I have my vertical rankings at all times but I will always look at how the board has fallen. And I think this comes back to something that I've always spoken about is be flexible with your draft. Understand how the draft is playing out. Because if, for example, the wide receivers are falling a little bit more than you would expect, as Rich said, that means that the startup isn't valuing them at where you value them. So you could get them a little bit later. Now, that means that vertical rankings in that sense don't work to your full advantage. And that's where you should always be looking at trying to get that advantage toward yourself and not giving it to your, your league mates. Hence why Rich preys on the the unexperienced by the sounds of it. But <laughs> only, I, I, like, I feel like I'm going to get reputation for bullying like newcomers. I am very much welcoming to anyone in a dynasty startup. I create lots of leagues designed for new starters. We've done that over the years. I'm, I'm very much that. I'm talking purely in a cash league because I think if you're in a cash league, there is a different level of expectation. And I think that to to a certain level kind of, anything is fair game within the rules in a cash league because I think, you know, at the end of the day, we're all there to have fun, but we're, we're there to earn some money. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm only trying to play you over it. I'm not, but you are trying to prey on the week. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, I always want to try and use a vertical draft board where possible, but I'm not shoehorned into using that pre-draft I never shoehorned into a specific strategy, even though I'll do my prep before the draft. I will always be flexible within it. Um, but I think that's where a lot of people struggle is a lot of people go into a draft and will think, okay, I've got to take best player available or I've got to have two running backs by the end of the first four rounds or something along those lines. And they're not flexible to move out of it if the, the board doesn't drop to you, and that's where a lot of people lose value. Um, 
Can I can I dive in and ask? I appreciate Liam. I'm I'm jumping off the show sheet, which gives you hives and causes you to have heart palpitations. But I just wanted to add the next question. Do you think, Emerson, when you're drafting, do you draft purely off your rankings? Are you paying attention to ADP? Are you like utilizing both, or 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 are you strictly one or the other as such? I, I use I use both. Because, you know, whatever website you use is really going to dictate how the draft goes. You know, the different the ADP on that website for a lot of people that like, you know, they're going to scroll through the first 12 names on the list and they're going to pick, you know, they're going to pick their favorite guy. Maybe probably within the first five or six guys. So I definitely want to look at that ADP. You know, even if I might value, I, I might value Devontae Smith way, way, way higher than everyone else right now. Huge buy, by the way. But um <laughs> yeah, but you know, I, I'm not going to draft him in round, you know, five or six, even though I might think he's there right now because he's the wide receiver. I think 27 on on uh, left right now. I think I saw. So, you know, I, I might wait a little bit on him, even though I might have him ranked, you know, maybe 20 spots higher than ADP. I'm still going to wait just an extra maybe round. I want to make sure I get him, but I might wait an extra round just to make sure uh, I'm not overpaying when I don't need to. Makes Sorry, sense. Emerson. I I wasn't shaking my head at you for audio listeners. Um, I started shaking my head halfway through Emerson talking, and it was because Rich has put a comment that was defending his honor on screen, and it wasn't me. Just no, going to point that out. If if people want to jump to my defense and say that I'm a you know a very gracious commissioner, then then by all means, I would like to point out this isn't me. I appreciate it doesn't have a name. Uh, it wasn't me just jumping on Facebook and, Didn't uh, have and a TV, so that doesn't count. That doesn't, that doesn't yeah, look, it just it was look, it was a league for the listeners, as I said, trying to trying to bring new people into Dynasty. And um yeah, we, we, we ended up with twelve people rather than eleven. So I, I graciously bowed out and didn't have a team. What what um something that you need to mention, Rich, is you've mentioned your trade values, your rankings, etc. But you've not told the listeners where to find them, and they're in your Dynasty Survival Kit. But I've just looked on Twitter, and it's no longer your pinned post. So where can the listeners go find it? Uh, yeah, it's 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 my Dynasty Survival Kit. If you're interested, drop me a DM. I can I can share a link with you, um, or it is in my Patreon, which you can sign up for. On my pin tweet. <laughs> Perfect. I, I had to make sure you dropped that in there because you wouldn't have done it yourself. Um, I appreciate it. So, Emerson, when you're heading into a draft, are there any specific strategies that you prefer? Any any like small tactics that you, you like to do? So, like Rich mentioned earlier, if he knows a certain person doesn't like um like a certain person on the turn doesn't like a specific player or a specific team and won't take them do you let a player fall hoping that they'll come back on the other side of the turn or is there a specific strategy you prefer so like in dynasty do you prefer um zero running back or hero running back or do you take quarterbacks early what what just answer that question as a whole yeah absolutely you know um one thing i like to do you know it's i i won't maybe necessarily do it if i can lock in one of the top three if it's a super flex draft and it's patrick mahomes and josh allen and justin herbert i'm going to be really hesitant to move that pick but if it's a especially um if i don't have one of those guys i'm looking to maybe move my first round pick and maybe my second round pick too yeah i like to, to really collect a lot of picks between that third and sixth round range that's when i 
that's when I get some of my favorite teams, honestly. Um, and, you know, I can, if I, you know, I've had drafts when I'm able to get like, you know, maybe eight, nine picks between rounds three and six. And in a super flex draft, you're still getting really, really good wide receivers all through that range and uh, high end running backs. And uh, I find that that's a great strategy. Um, of course, one of my always my go to's is I never draft. I, I never go. You're never going to see me spend an early pick on a 26 year old running back or old. I'm never going to that, that. You know, I, I gave away that tip. That was one of my tips for the end. So I definitely go to a draft. That's that's not something I'm usually going to come off of. You're never going to see me draft Derrick Henry or Christian McCaffrey or Austin Eckler, you know, in the top five rounds. I usually won't start reaching for some, some of those higher end veterans till around nine or 10, you know, those 29 year old wide receivers, those 26 year old, 27 year old running backs. Uh, that, that's me. I'm, I'm a little bit of an ageist in dynasty leagues, but. <laughs> Do you think, it's, it's interesting hearing what you're saying, Emerson, because I think that's, that's kind of a, a lot of people's thoughts is trade back as much as possible, recoup as much value and as many picks as you can in those you know, three to six range, as you mentioned, and and really target those young wide receivers in leagues. Do you think that with that becoming more and more kind of, I guess, consensus in terms of how to, to approach a dynasty startup, do you think we're getting to a point where there could be some great value doing the opposite of that and, you know, potentially trading up and, and getting a couple of higher price picks and, and that's that approach rather than, training back that that certainly in in startups i've been every, everybody seems to want to do oh yeah absolutely you know i should have gave that caveat it is sometimes harder and harder to do now but um i you know i still it's still tough you know i never like the depth i have when i do a lot of moving up um it's you know it's i don't like usually my teams as much i know I, it's hard for me to execute a trade for me personally moving up on a draft you you know but if i can throw Except for maybe if, if I'm using future picks, you know, I do, I do like, you know, if, if I can get a top five round pick and give up a double, you know, 11th to 10th and ninth round pick and a 20, you know, maybe not next year. So next year's a special class, but usually I'm exploring that first round pick, seeing if I can get a top four or five round pick. Um, but you, usually I think that the people are looking for a little too bit much. So I'm more of a, I'm still trying to move down. I've, I've stayed put a lot more recently too, just because like you said, every single person's looking to move down and, <laughs> They'll sit on the clock for six hours waiting too. <laughs> yeah, I, th I think that certainly I, I'm I'm not there yet where I'm at a position where I'm looking to move up, um, particularly in those early rounds. I think, as you said, the value is still to move back. But I do think that it's certainly a situation to monitor, maybe not this this off season, but maybe in next off season if you know we've got three years of people wanting to move back and and buy those young receivers. I do wonder if there could be a move to go go up early and take a kind of stars and scrubs approach. Um, it's, it's certainly something that I'm monitoring because I think the value of trade backs has dropped in the last 12 months. Um, so I'm, I'm keen to see if, you know, a year ago you could trade your first round pick and get a second and a third for your first and like a ninth. Whereas now it's like, first for second and a fourth and i i just think that value seems to be dropping significantly so i'm i'm certainly monitoring it cuz i think it still needs to drop a bit further before i'm ready to jump up i'm sure we were talking about this this time last off season rich talking about the the value might be the other way around what i found this season especially is that 
even though a lot of people are looking to move back or yeah looking to move back they're not necessarily willing to give up the the value that you need to move up yourself and I think that's where the disconnect comes in even though everyone is looking to move back I still think that price is a little bit too high to move up um but Emerson you said you're you're a massive um trader in, in all of your leagues you're, you're very active this is something that I think a lot of people shy away from but once a player is picked say if you think that they went too late or something do you ever inquire about that player even though they've just been picked I've done it a few times and I've found a few deals but I think a lot of people once a player is picked just think okay they're off my board I'll never never ever get them again do you ever inquire at that point because I'm starting to see a little bit of wiggle room where someone might not have been overly confident in making that pick and you can try and like squeeze them away for less than what you would have had to pay for trading up you know that, that that's that's a nice you know i i take you know i'm in a lot of dynasty leagues i take a patient approach you know if something if my guy gets picked you know i'll, I'll think you know i'll get this I'll, I'll get i'll get back to him later you know so i'll always come back to that later so it might not be immediately but you know but you know what i mean if somebody gets picked that's not the end all for me i'm not giving up on it you know like i said i might shoot an offer out you know right then um you know or you know i might approach them later um but uh so i like i said i'm always moving around so it's very rare that the team that i'm drafting right now is going you know i'm, I'm probably changing at least 50 to 60 percent of my starting lineup between now and august so that's usually at least how i go that's that's a really interesting question Liam, because it's certainly not something that i've ever done and i have to say if, if someone approached me about a player i've just drafted wanting to buy him my immediate response would be yeah i'll sell him for more than i've just paid for um do you do you See, find that you get some some deals that way or i i've found that i've got it a few times now i've definitely found it more this season than i have last season it tends to be more when someone doesn't has been looking for a trade back pre-pick hasn't found the deal that they wanted and then selected a player because they must have been in the middle of two or three players that they wanted to get back from or thought that they could get later on and having to not necessarily reach, but maybe not 100% certain with that pick, so trying to recoup a bit more value. And yes, you are probably giving up a little bit more than what the pick was originally worth, but necessarily it doesn't mean that that's what the original offer was i found a lot of times where someone has offered or someone has traded back out of that pick that they've just made because they didn't necessarily want one of those two but they probably wouldn't have taken the deal that i sent them if they hadn't made that pick if that makes sense i don't know how well i actually explained that no i get what you mean i get what you mean no, that's smart. No, I, I actually agree with him. You know, it's, if, if somebody's had their, if they somebody just keeps saying, you know, pick on the block, pick on the block, and they're waiting and waiting, there's a good chance, you know, and, and, and especially maybe, yeah, if they, if, whether they've been sitting there for six hours waiting or they just made the selection, there is a good chance that they actually might sell for a little bit lower um, and, you know, you can get a good deal. So, I, you know, if somebody's had their uh, pick on the block for five hours, I'll I'll, I'll I'll just say, hey, what's up? Just just to see if maybe they're, they're going to sell low because they're so desperate. But... 
I think that's that's a great tip is that it's certainly something that I do in, in all of my leagues is as soon as anybody puts anything on the block or anybody's looking to move, whether it be a player or a draft pick, whatever, I will always drop a DM immediately and say, what are you looking for? What's the price? That kind of thing. Because I think that, you know, it, it could be that, as you said, Emerson, they're in that desperate situation to start with. Like, I really don't want this pick. I want to move back. And they'll give you a good deal. And, you know, you never know unless you ask the question. And you can sit there after the, the draft has, has been done and someone's like, does a trade. And you're like, oh, my God, that's incredible value. Why would you do that? And it's like, well, did you ask the question? Did you inquire as to what the price was for that pick? And if you didn't, you've only got yourself the blame kind of thing. Because I think you need to always at least be asking that question. And is there, you, you talked, Emerson, about taking best player available. And I think this is something that perhaps people who are, are earlier in their dynasty career, shall we say, sometimes fall into a kind of a, a, a potential pitfall of, of trying to fill out, you know, I'm trying to fill out my starting roster before I get to my bench. I know there's a certain approach that people will have in redraft with how many positions they're looking to appoint to, you know, roster spots and things like that. Do you try and structure your roster in, in any way or or is it literally from one to pick 30, you're taking best player available no matter what? You know, I where I will, especially on those early couple round picks, um, if I can, if I might reach a little bit on, on an elite quarterback in a super flex league, if I can nab a Javante Williams, a Devon, DeAndre Swift, you know, one of those really young elite backs, Najee Harris, Jonathan Taylor, I'm, I'll reach, I might reach a little bit over a wide receiver, just knowing that I'm going to be likely going wide receiver heavy on almost every pick after that. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I might, you know, I tend to try to maybe um, try to lock up, you know, at least if it's a super flex league, I try to maybe walk away with three, with a, two quarterbacks in the first three rounds, and maybe, and you know, if I could snag uh, a, an elite running back with that other pick, that's fantastic. But um, so then after that, though, I tend to draft the best player available. The one, t- the only time I think that's not great is if you end up with a bunch of tight ends, <laughs> and then people aren't aren't valuing the tight ends, and those things are not the, the tight ends are not coming off your roster. I, I've, I've I've done that before. Leagues, I'm just like, all right, nobody's drafted tight ends. I'll I'll have six tight ends on my roster. And that the, those six tight ends, I, I think I still have six five of them today. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I, th- I think it's 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 a really good point, is and that comes back to what we were saying earlier, doesn't it? About every draft is a, a unique situation where just because you think certain things are the best player available, it might be that actually, yes, in a vacuum they're the best player available, but in your league they might not necessarily be. Um, I mean, you you touched on quarterback position there and in, in superflex, and I think that I don't know if you guys would agree. Every draft I'm doing, every startup I'm doing, if it's one QB, I'm basically just not interested. Um, I, I think I'm in two one QB leagues, and that's because they're sort of four or five years old, and everything else is super flex. So let's talk about the quarterback position in a super flex league, Emerson. Are you? Do you have a minimum number that you you must roster? Um, well, I definitely want to. Right? I, 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 definitely, <laughs> I definitely want to, but um, you know, I, I'd like three or four. You know, that's fine. Um, I don't. I don't go. I don't like to invest three early picks on a quarterback. If I drafted too early, I tend to trust myself that I'm going to be starting those guys most of the time. 
and uh, I'll, I'll I'll probably fade it for you know till the double digit rounds till maybe I could snag like a Daniel Jones in the tenth or eleventh or something like that. Um, but um, if I can start off with two great quarterbacks, whether it be you know um, I love Matthew Stafford is one of my favorite third round picks. Just a guy you know just probably going to be rock solid for the next three or four years. Just you know what you care about in your dynasty league this next three or four year window. Um, and if I can grab you know even a Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson at the end of the first round. Of course, you have the top tier quarterbacks at the first, but those are, you know, that, that's my preferred strategy in the Superflex. But you're right, in a one quarterback, I tend to fade it. Although, you know, this, you know, it's becoming just like trading back. Um, it's becoming very popular to not draft a quarterback in one quarterback league. So if Lamar, you know, it, it doesn't happen often, but, you know, if, if Lamar Jackson or somebody like that is just tumbling down the draft board into the fifth, you know, round range all of a sudden that does become a value though yeah and do you think this is something that i've i've toyed with and i think that it's perhaps better in slightly bigger leagues but i think you i try to kind of dictate the draft sometimes by my approach at quarterbacks and i think that if you know if you do go two quarterbacks early i think by grabbing that third quarterback if the value is there in the third or the fourth round, you can sometimes force that panic. And I think that Liam's not in the way because I think Liam agrees. But I think if you can kind of almost dictate a position in the draft, much like, you know, you used to be able to do it with running backs in, in redraft one QB league sort of 10 years ago. But if you can take three, even four quarterbacks early, you create some massive panic. Liam, do, do you, are you, is that something you like to try and do? Yeah, that, that's a massive thing that I, I I say enjoy purely because it normally gives me an advantage. It can backfire. There are times where it backfires. But if you're taking your QB3 as, say, a Zach Wilson or someone around that range, maybe fourth, fifth round, you'll put and then say you do it just before a turn then that creates a mass panic for those people on the turn. Even if they only have one quarterback, then they're looking to get their second quarterback before they all fly off, before the, the, the snake gets back to them. And that pushes higher-end wide receivers, running backs, whatever position you're looking at, further down the draft board for you. And and I absolutely love that value, or the, the tactic purely for that reason is, you grab a great value on most of the time, but you also end up pushing more value further down. And you can even combine that with something we spoke about a lot in trading back is if you push all that value down and then you can recoup more value by trading back, then you're still getting someone that you probably would have got, but because you forced this QB run or tight end run or wherever it may be, you've pushed more value at a different position further back and you've actually gained just because you've made a trade and a pick. Uh, I, you, yeah. know, I like, you know, I've certainly, sorry to interrupt you, uh, but I, uh, I, I like that strategy a lot. You know, like I said, I've done um, drafts where I've, I've done four or five quarterbacks in a row and, you know, it certainly does cause a panic. Um, but then, you know, I, I don't like to keep too many assets on the bench, though. So I do if I do do that, I want to make a trade. And, you know, I have been burned a little bit on uh, like Baker Mayfield and Carson Wentz in the fourth and fifth round in recent drafts. Uh, I would have said Tua, although he might be rebounding here. I'm not a Tua fan. I think I think one of I think. Oh, 
I think one of you might be now. I'm, I'm definitely I'm, not. No, no, I'm on the fence. I think that he has Shot clear on the fence. <laughs> I think he has the potential, but I'm not going to say that he's going to be in the next QB. One. He has vicious fans on Twitter. They, they, they will come after you. The Dolphins fans are angry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those two, two stands are, are big. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's really interesting you saying about that, Emerson, is because... I'm the opposite. I think if I draft, you know, five or six quarterbacks sometimes in a startup, I'm holding those until I can get peak value. And to me, peak value is week one, week two, week three in the season when people have got underperforming quarterbacks, maybe if there's an injury. Because I think a lot of people look at their rosters in, you know, June, July and say, oh, I've got two elite quarterbacks, I'm fine. But actually, it's only when bye week start. It's only when an injury happens that that suddenly two quarterbacks in a superflex league isn't enough. You know, I always say that I want a minimum of four starting quarterbacks in any superflex league because I think that you're one injury away from, you know, catastrophe. And having that many, you can you can play the matchups and that kind of thing. So yeah, I I try and hold those quarterbacks as long as possible and and almost try and hold the league hostage by trying to corner the market on starting quarterbacks. Um, I think it's, it's certainly a, a, a good way to go about it. Do you, do you guys ever do the opposite and go, you know, that risky zero QB strategy in a startup? And if you did, is there anything you try to, to kind of recoup that potential waiting on that position? It's tough. Uh, every time I've done it, people will people like yourself try to hit the barrel for over for a quarterback. Uh, and uh, so I, I always find it really if you don't if you if you walk out of a super flex startup with one quarterback, man, it is going to be tough to get that next one. Uh, it, it like you'll spend your whole summer sending on offers. And um, you know, I just think it's so hard. You know, like you said, if you pre- be prepared for the long haul, if you, if you go a lot of quarterbacks early and especially like, you know, if you if you want to wait and fill out your lineup over a year or two, that's great. But um, be prepared. Yeah, like you said, be prepared to wait for those uh, right trades because sometimes you'll be waiting a while. You know, so like I said, I've had those rosters and, you know, I, you know, p- people like you said, maybe they didn't value their quarterbacks properly. And it'll take them a, maybe a little bit of while to realize how valuable those quarterbacks are. So, um so, you know, it's a little bit risky always, but just some of my strategies at least. I think if you go in zero uh, quarterbacks, you are, or one quarterback, how, how, like very short amount of quarterbacks. I think you're basically admitting to the league that you are in a year one rebuild. I don't think you're ever going to compete with just one quarterback ever in a super flex league, even if that one quarterback is Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. But I'm just not going to do it. And two quarterbacks maybe depend on the quarterbacks, but I still think that if you're doing that, you're essentially admitting to the league, you're basically running for a rookie quarterback next year and trying to win in year two, maybe. Yeah, no, I'm, three. I'm not sitting here saying that I'd advocate ever coming out of a draft with anything left than three, if not four quarterbacks. But what I do quite like if I fancy trying to be a bit risky is that I will wait on quarterback. I will compensate that by taking volume. And, you know, if I can come out of a draft, maybe not taking a quarterback in the first two, three, maybe even four rounds because the value's not there. But if I can come out with, you know, Tom Brady, Matt Ryan, and then combine them with, 
Daniel Jones or Jameis Winston or Marcus Mariota that's got more upside. And then I can sort of just play the matchups between those four or five potentially bad quarterbacks. I think that sometimes that that's a, a good way to build a, a very good championship winning roster where you've compensated waiting on a position with volume. Um and I think that that's the only way to kind of wait on QB. I think if if you miss out on the elite QBs, you've just got to go volume. I don't think there's a way where you can come out of a draft with, you know, Ryan Tannehill and Carson Wentz and feel anything but absolute horror. It's exactly what I do with tight ends. Is if I'm not getting one of the top five, I am coming out with volume. Maybe not five or six, like you said earlier, Emerson, because they're never moving off your roster unless you're um if you drop them but if for example tight ends if i'm coming out without one of those top five maybe six if you include hawkinson then i'm picking up a lot within the 15 to 25 30 range and seeing who hits and who i can put in every every week basically so Emerson, we, we talked about Superflex, which seems to be the, the new norm, especially across Dynasty Twitter. But there's a lot. Do you play in a lot of different formats? So you, we've spoken about one QB and Superflex, but um, for example, me and Rich play in a salary cap league. We've got 16 teamers. Um, there's a league that I'm in called a delayed dynasty. Do you play in any special formats? And if you do, how did you approach those those startups? How did you prep for them slightly differently? Do you change your approach? Or is it more you change your approach with the scoring and maybe the positional requirements? Oh, well, yeah, you know, I definitely, um, one of the most important things, like, you know, yeah, one of the most important pieces of advice is definitely looking over the scoring, the format that you're using, because I, I definitely change, you know, whatever, whatever I'm doing, whether it be Dynasty, Best Ball, Redraft, um, you know, uh, Salary Cap League, it's definitely going to be a lot different strategy. Um, so I definitely, you know, I, I, I apply different strategies. One, we, we, you know, I'm sure we could talk a whole show about, you know, what I, but I do, I do a couple Salary Cap Leagues, um, and that's definitely very interesting. Um where, where in those, I don't necessarily take a different player value, but I definitely do. It's definitely a lot of, it's definitely a lot of effort in the draft. You're definitely, you got to pay, you're, you know, it's interesting because some drafts where you might have a lot of money going early. There's some drafts where a lot, you know, people are saving their money. You can, you can get the best players early. Sometimes the money goes fast right out of the gate. So those are very interesting been doing a lot of underdog best ball i know that's di- not dynasty but oh man I know, that's so much fun right now i love going on there and just 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 rubbing it in because we can't get underdog oh, in the yeah. uk so i can't even talk about it you guys have a uk base i'm sorry guys <laughs> <laughs> it's all good we 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 get DraftKings. it's it's far far inferior but it's it's all we get uh but yeah so i'm looking for some idp leagues though you know i, I haven't made that venture really um the uh, I, it's 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 very nuanced over there. A lot of it depends on the scoring and everything. So, but I'm trying to I'm trying to get it where I have it, like one of every different type of league. Trying to do a lot more auction leagues. So definitely trying to diversify. But my my main go to is I have you know I'm in 30 dynasty leagues and you know 25 you know 23 of them 24 of them are just straight up deep dynasty super flex leagues. You know that's my go to. There's some 16 teamers in there too, which of course drives up the value of quarterback a lot. So 
of course, yeah, you definitely want to pay attention to the format. I think for me, it this is where it comes back to my player values piece is that because I've got that value for every player, I can I can tweak things slightly to help almost create my rankings automatically based on the setup. So for example, Liam, you mentioned that 16 team league that we've just done. It had, you know, fairly ridiculous quarterback scoring in that it's six points per touchdown. It's 0.1 per passing first down and, you know, QBs are going to score high and it's 16 team super flex. So for me, I, I took all my values. I took all the quarterbacks and I times their value by 1.5, which meant that the first like 14 players in my rankings were all quarterbacks. But it's like in that, in that league, I think I, don't, I can't remember if you remember Liam, but I think there was like 32 quarterbacks had gone in the first three rounds or something stupid. Like I've never seen a draft like it where quarterbacks went, but that's 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 what you need to adjust to. You know, there was a couple of people that tried to go zero QB or wait on QB in that league, and and basically they're at least a year, if not two, away from competing because they've not got they've not got one quarterback to own to. Yeah, the, those people are at the end of the first round, so on they're on that snake turn, and I don't think we can, they really. We can call out Tarek. Him. It's fine. It was Tarek. <laughs> he took he took CD Lamb and John J Swift at the one sixteen and the two oh one, and then by the time it got back to him in the third rounds, there was literally no yeah. quarterbacks on the board. That's a horrible spot to be in, though, just because yeah. he, he he's going to have to reach really high on the quarterback. And then, and then by the time it gets back to him, everyone else has got another one of the good running backs and wide receivers. So uh, that, that it was, that, it it was, was third, round, third round reversal. Oh, he, he had, he had, you know, yeah, I think he ended, I want to say he took Kenny Pickett at 301, which when you're taking Kenny Pickett in the third round, it's, it's never particularly nice, is it? That hurts. Oh. That's well done. Uh, yeah, I just I, I I never I never have good luck when I wait on the quarterback, especially in like a sixteen team league. Um, I'm I'm in an interest. Okay, one one league I forgot to mention. It's a it's a sixteen team league, but you have a partner and you are playing individual matchups each week. But then you you can trade back and forth between your partner and you can set the best optimal lineup between two teams. You know, I mean, I could talk about the nuances, but. There's, it's, there's 16 teams and it's a super flex. And I mean, you know, that's what it was. I was drafting Sam Darnold over DeAndre Hopkins, you know, three years ago. <laughs> you, know, you know how that works out. But, you know, like I said, yeah, it never works out to wait on the quarterback. And nobody, I, I don't think, I think I've seen like one quarterback traded in that league in like three years. So it, they're hard to get. That sounds interesting. That's so I, in my spare time up for, because I'm, sad i've been looking at and trying to create new formats for redraft i never thought about something along those lines in dynasty so one of the one of the formats that i've thought of is more like a, a team base so the, the the league is split and this is a little bit off topic but the, the league is split into two teams and then they can trade around and and essentially basically work together to try and win as many individual matchups and then they're t- points get added together at the end but i've never thought about that in a dynasty format like just yeah that's exactly that's quite interesting interesting. yeah and yeah it's it's really hard to get a trade done i'll say that just because you have to get four people to agree on a trade which is almost impossible so it's it's really hard it's it you know it's not exactly a very accurate it's fun it's especially fun during the league because you're playing with lineups you know you're waiting till like 11 59 to send all your players to this side you know it's it's really fun with the lineups and kind of play battle with that but it is hard to execute a trade 
are there any any other um, funky formats that you've got, or is it, or are those the ones that you've told us so far? I think those are the funky formats. You know, I've I've always, you know I used to be like, why would I play in any of those funky formats? Dynasty Superflex. That's what I that's you know that's me. <laughs> but you know, I, I definitely try to. Like I said, I'm trying to get a little bit of everything. I'm looking for an IDP league. Um, I definitely don't want to go too. I couldn't imagine drafting a full IDP league. No, no offensive starters. That seems brutal, but. <laughs> Something with some light IDP in it. Now, before before you leave us, Emerson, and before we finish the show, we asked you to give us, you know, the 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 new segment, your dynasty tip of the week. What what have you got queued up for the listeners? Uh, well, I had two, and I kind of, I guess, I kind of peppered them throughout the show. Really, um, well, one would be, <laughs> I think, especially if you're an actor trader, I do take the best player available. Maybe unless it's it's unless you're stacking tight ends. Um, I just think, you know, you know, you want to build your dynasty league, like a stock portfolio. I'm always trying to create value. And I always think if you're, ta- if you take the, who you think is going to have the best value for a three-year window and you keep building your lineup that way, you're going to be able to fill your lineup. Like I just traded for Derek Henry for Christian Watson and a 23, late 23 second. Um, I always think those trades are around when you need them to get, to get a running back. You need to compete. And like we saw last year, Rashad Penny and Devin Singletary were the hero of the playoffs. Um, the other one I would throw at you if I said it too early as well was the uh, don't draft any 26-year-old running backs early or, or older. Um, I, I'll steal, um, Rich, I'll steal one thing from DLF, their, uh, their dynasty draft guide, which you should all subscribe to and get. Um, but I think that they, they said on their draft guide that um, not one – running back uh, older than 26 had cracked the top six in the last three years. And, um, and then only Mark Ingram and one other player had cracked the top 12 in the last three years as a running back 26 or older. So um, that's, you know, the running back production comes from that 23 to 26 window. And, you know, I, I, I've said this about Derrick Henry for the last two or three seasons, but I'm not coming off it now. Uh, I, I'll take the risk and redraft leagues. It's kind of risk it for the biscuit, but I'm not drafting those players in any dynasty leagues. Sounds good. Thank you very much, Bob. Absolutely, guys. Thanks a bunch. Take it easy, okay? Thanks, Emerson. So um, that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode. So, guys, you can find Emerson at dynasty underscore analyst on Twitter. All of his work is on the Five Yard Rush website. Um, tweeted out from at five yard dynasty if you want to take a look at his work and all the other great writers we have uh, pumping out content for us there and until next week guys have a great week we'll see you then HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. 
people who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.